You're listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Visit our website and learn more about Harvest Partners at harvest.org. The Christian no longer has to be under the power of sin. But the devil whispers in your ear, you'll never change. You'll always be this way. I'll always have a hold of you. And we can just say to the devil, you're a liar and you're the father of lies. Pastor Greg Laurie points out the folly of listening to the devil's deception and reminds us we're free from his influence. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. This is the Sometimes believers give the devil more credit than he deserves. I couldn't help myself. The devil made me do it. Not really. Sin requires our cooperation. We don't fall into sin. We jump. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out how our adversary and our sinful nature may conspire to lure us, but we can stand in the Lord's victory over temptation. How? That's what today's study is about. Pastor Greg helps us chart a path toward spiritual success. Well, let's grab our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. The title of my message is Don't Let the Old Man In. Uh, I was invited a while ago to a a film premiere. Actually, it was uh, an opportunity to see the film before it went nationwide. It was directed by acting and directing legend Clint Eastwood. And the film was called The 1517 to Paris. It's a true story of three men who stopped a terrorist attack on a train bound for Paris. And there was a faith element because uh, all three of these young men met in a Christian school. So there uh, there was that element of faith to it. So after the film was over, standing there in the lobby with a crowd of people around him was none other than Mr. Clint Eastwood. And of course, I've always liked Clint Eastwood in his movies, you know. And so I thought, I'm going to say hello to him. And so I waited for a moment and I walked up and I thanked him for making a film with the faith element. And he said to me, well, you know, these young men could not have done what they did without help from above. And I said, that was very true. And I have to tell you, Clint Eastwood, he was 87 when I met him. He's 88 now. He looked great. Uh, you know, he just looks like Clint Eastwood, just an older version. And then he squinted his eyes and looked at me and said, feeling lucky, punk? And, what? <laughs> and then I heard this song. Okay, these are really dated references. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. That's a theme song from one of his films and a line from one of his films as well. Well, speaking of Clint Eastwood, he was having a conversation with country star Toby Keith. They were out golfing. I read this in a magazine article. And uh, so Toby commented on how active Clint still was at his age and still making movies. And he asked Clint Eastwood, what is your secret? Eastwood simply replied, I don't let the old man in. I thought, that's a good line. I thought, that'll preach. In fact, that's my sermon title, Don't Let the Old Man In. 
You know, it's kind of hard to do because as you get older, you start doing old person stuff. You don't plan on it, but you just do. You know what I'm talking about. Like wearing your pants too high. What, where does that start? <laughs> when did it seem like a good idea to no longer wear your pants down where your hips are, but I'm gonna bring them up to where my chest starts. I think this is a good place. Or you know, when you're a man, you start missing patches when you shave, of course. Uh, and another thing old people do is they drive way too slow, right? And you get behind them, it's like, seriously? And then you go around them. And I don't know about you, but if you go around somebody that's going too slow, do you ever look at them? It's, you know, who is this person? And they're like, lean really forward like this in the car, you know, the windshield's right here. It's like, well, do you have to be that way? It's a, you know, things you say you'll never do, you start doing these things. Another thing about older people is the filter sort of disappears and they say whatever they think. And they're often cranky about something and they'll just complain about something. And there's actually uh, a lot of traits of getting older. I think for one thing, older people like routine. They like to know what's coming. They eat in the same restaurants. They order the same meal. Uh, and they like everything to be predictable. Uh, when they come to church, they sit in the same seats. You know who I'm talking to. And if anyone dares take your seat, you're not happy about it either. I actually read that is why as you get older it seems like time goes by more quickly. Of course time does not speed up or slow down but our perception of time can change. When you're younger time seems to go very slowly. Especially when you're in elementary school. I felt like I spent 10 years in like the fourth grade, right? Like how long will it take till it's 12 o'clock and we break for lunch? But as you get older things start morphing together. It's almost like decades start going together. And that's because you don't have as many new experiences. So because there's such a familiarity in the things that you do, it seems like time is going by quickly. They say the way to counter this is to go out and do new things and have new experiences. But there are telltale signs that you're getting old. You know you're getting old when you don't care where your spouse goes as long as you don't have to go along, right? <laughs> you know you're getting old when your idea of happy hour is a nap. <laughs> you know you're getting old when you actually look forward to a dull evening at home. You know you're getting old when you have a party and your neighbors don't even know. You know you're getting old when you sink your teeth into a steak and they stay there. <laughs> you know you're getting old when your tie does not come anywhere near the top of your pants. That's another thing. They start tying their ties too short. Maybe that's why they hike their pants up. I see a connection here as well. You know you're getting old when you bend over to tie your shoes and wonder what else you can do when you're down there. Is that not true? Okay, I'm going to tie my shoe and if there's anything I need to do, anything I need to pick up, I want to do it now, right? Telltale signs of getting old. So today I want to talk to you about not letting the old man in. But actually I'm not speaking about age. I'm talking about that sinful nature that we all have. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Romans 6. In fact, he calls that nature the old man. So let's read Romans 6, verses 6 to 11. Knowing this, 
that our old man was crucified with him, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul now is showing us how to not let the old man in, that old sinful nature. Really in Romans 6 he sort of shifts gears. Romans 1 to 5 he talks about the sinfulness of man and just really makes a case for the fact that everyone has sinned. The moral people sin, immoral people sin, religious people sin. We all fall miserably short, but Christ died for our sin. And if we'll turn from our sin, He'll forgive us. Okay, but now in chapter six, we're dealing with a new theme, and it's really sanctification. Uh, what is sanctification? Sanctification is something that takes place over a period of time. For instance, salvation or regeneration happens in a moment, bringing a sinner from spiritual life to death. But sanctification, in contrast, is an ongoing process. Salvation is where we're forgiven of past sin. Sanctification is where we break free from the power of sin. So Paul is showing us now how this works out in our life. When you were baptized, how many of you have been baptized in water? Raise your hand up. Well, every one of us should be baptized. When we're baptized and we go into the water and come out, it's a symbol of dying to the old nature, the old life. In fact, in Romans 6, 4, he says, we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new lives. But what does that mean practically? Okay, if you're taking notes, here's point number one. The Christian no longer has to be under the power of sin. Let me say that again. The Christian no longer has to be under the power of sin. Verse seven, for he who has died has been freed from sin. But some might say, well, I still sin. So what's wrong with me? Let me ask you a question. How many of you committed a sin this week? Raise your hand. You committed a sin. How many of you committed a sin today? Raise your hand. Really? It's kind of early. What did you do? Let's share. Here, I'll hand the mic. No. How many of you are committing a sin right now? Don't raise, don't raise your hand for that. This is the problem. We know we're freed from the power of sin, but we still sin. And we don't like it. But maybe we say, well, there's just really no way to overcome it. I'm always gonna be this way. As Oscar Wilde once said, quote, I can resist anything but temptation. Say, I'm, I'm fine in between temptations. But man, as soon as it comes, I, I have no willpower. I just cave in. There's no way I can change. Or maybe you look at your own life and you say, well, this is a pattern that runs on my family. My father always had a temper. So I'm always gonna have a temper and I'm gonna scream and yell and throw things too. Or my mother was an alcoholic and so I'm gonna end up as an alcoholic too. There's just no getting around it. Or my parents divorced and that means that I'm gonna end up divorced as well. Listen, Stop talking that way. That's stinking thinking. <laughs> That's not how a Christian should think. Because Christ can break the cycle of sin in your life. 
I know this from experience. Conceived out of wedlock, alcoholic mother, married and divorced seven times. My life could have so easily gone the wrong direction, but I believed in Jesus Christ and He changed the course of my life. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for anybody. And so this is what God can do. But you know, I think we think, oh no, this is the way it's always gonna be and, and that's the direction I'm gonna go. Not necessarily because Jesus Christ has freed you from the power of sin. Now look, before you were a Christian, you really had no ability to resist sin. In fact, the Bible even tells us that before we are believers in Jesus, we are held by the power of the devil. Second Timothy 2.28 says we should pray that non-believers come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. But this is no longer true. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Listen to this. The power of God over sin in your life right now is more powerful than Satan's power ever was. Let me say that again. The power of God over sin in your life is more powerful than Satan's power was. I heard one kid say to an older sibling, you're not the boss of me. I don't have to do what you tell me to do. Well, you can say to the devil, you're not the boss of me. You can say to sin, you're not the boss of me anymore. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. But some people will understand that God has forgiven them and they'll use it as sort of a license to sin. Thinking, oh, I can just keep doing this because God will forgive me. And actually in 1 John 3, 8, it says if people live that way, if they keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. In other words, if you deliberately, willfully, continually sin without any remorse, or any desire to change, I have to wonder, are you a child of God? Now if you will admit, yes, I do give in, I do have these thoughts, I do struggle with it, I don't want to do these things, that is something every believer deals with in one way, shape, or form. Every one of us still sins. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But here's what Paul is saying. You don't have to be controlled by sin any longer. Verse two, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? And by the way, that phrase live in it means to swim in it or to breathe its air or let it be the main tenor of your life. Listen, whoever continues to sin without remorse is not in danger of losing their salvation Rather, by their choices, they reveal they may have never had salvation to begin with. So we've been freed by sin. Point number two, you're no longer a slave. So stop acting like one. Uh, verse six, knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, we should no longer be slaves to sin. One of the worst national sins of America was slavery. And after the Civil War ended, President Lincoln signed what is known as the Emancipation Proclamation. All slaves, young and old, were finally given their freedom. But history tells us that many of the older slaves who had endured years of servitude did not fully understand their new status. And in fact, many slaves stayed on the plantation. Fast forward now to the 20th century 
And there's still a lot of prejudice and bigotry shown to African American people in states like uh, South Carolina and Alabama and Georgia. They were still treated like second class citizens. Segregation was the rule. African American people had to stay in separate hotels and eat in separate restaurants and use separate restrooms and see degrading signs over a drinking fountain with words like, for colored people only. So along came Martin Luther King who stood up for the rights of black people. And he gave that great speech there in Washington DC and I quote from it, five score years ago a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree is a great beacon of light and hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. But a hundred years later, said Dr. King, the Negro is still not free, end quote. He was right. And there were various people that stood up for their rights because they said, we're no longer slaves and we are not gonna live like slaves. And one of those people was Rosa Parks. They call her the first lady of civil rights. And it was my privilege a number of years ago to actually meet Rosa Parks. Now, if you know her story, uh, she was on a bus in Alabama and the rule was you had to give up your seat to a white man if you were a black person. Uh, on a bus and she refused. And, I, and so th she became legendary for that. And so I ended up on a bus with Rosa Parks. I'm not making this up. I know it sounds like fiction. This is true. And, and here's how it happened. I was, uh, I'd written a book and there were a bunch of other authors who had written books at the same time. Uh, Josh McDowell had written a book, Ravi Zacharias and, uh, and uh, Ralph Reed and Rosa Parks. And so they said, we want to put you on a bus like you're on a tour and we're going to have you go from sort of the headquarters over to a bookstore. So it was just a little kind of press thing, you know, for fun. And so I get on this bus and there's Rosa Parks. And, and I, and all the other guys are talking and having fun. And I said, wait, is that Rosa Parks? And they said, yes. And I sat down with her and I, all I wanted to do was just talk to her. I wanted to hear her story. And she was an amazing woman. And she had written a book about her faith in Jesus Christ. And she said it was that faith in Christ that motivated her and influenced her and informed her to make that principled stand. She basically said, I'm not a slave and I'm not going to live like a slave. And we need to say the same thing to sin today. We're not slaves anymore and we're going to be free people. Because Jesus issued his own emancipation proclamation from the cross of Calvary when he cried out the words, it is finished. The power of sin is broken in your life so you can start living like a free person. Now listen, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. He freed you from the power of sin. And soon in heaven, he's gonna remove you from the presence of sin. Now most believers know he took our penalty when he died in our place, but they fail to realize that he also frees us from the power of sin, not just from the guilt, but the grip of sin. But the devil whispers in your ear, you'll never change. You'll always be this way. I'll always have a hold of you. And we can just say to the devil, you're a liar and you're the father of lies.
Pastor Greg Laurie with great encouragement today about our standing before God and how we don't have to subject ourselves to the devil's deception. And there's more to come as this study continues here on A New Beginning. You know, Pastor Greg, I did a a search for movies that people had watched over and over and over again. And (laughs) there were a lot of surprises on the list. Some of the movies are just so bad, you know. They're either just silly movies or they're movies that are so offensive I wouldn't sit through them once. (laughs) But there's a recent movie that people have seen in theaters repeatedly four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. And I know they'd like to be able to see it in their own homes. And we're talking about... We're talking about the Jesus Revolution film. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it exceeded everyone's expectations. I read an article uh, just the other day with a headline, Why are so many people going to see Jesus Revolution? <laughs> and the person writes and just asks this question, What is it about this film? And I think the reason it's connecting is it's not a big budget film like you know, Top Gun or Avatar, something like that. Mm. It's a powerful story, beautifully told, amazing performances. But I think the reason it connects and resonates is because it's a true story Mm. of real people. It shows the flaws of the people in the movie. And I think that people connect because there's so many storylines woven together. There's a story of a young Greg with his alcoholic mother and the struggles they had. There's a story of Pastor Chuck and Lonnie Frisbee, the hippie evangelist who came together, opposite attracting Nitro meeting Glycerin, Mm -hmm. Lennon meeting McCartney, Jobs meeting Wozniak, (laughs) an explosive reaction, and something amazing happened. It's also the story of Greg and Kathy, and it's a love story. This is what people may not know. This is a beautiful love story of two teenagers that fell in love. In fact, I want to play a scene. Now, unfortunately, you can't see it, so use your imaginations. This is one of my favorite scenes in the film. So Greg and Kathy have conflicts, which is true in real life. It shows us arguing with each other. And so they've broken up at this point. So Greg had gone to Kathy's father at this point in the story and asked for permission to marry His daughter and Kathy's father said no, and Greg's discouraged, and then him and Kathy break up. But then Greg comes to his senses, and he realizes he loves Kathy, and he wants to marry her. So he goes to her house. Now, he had just baptized some people down at Pirate's Cove in Newport Beach, so he was wet when he walked into the house. He had friction with Kathy's dad up to this point, but now Kathy's dad has had a change of heart. I'm giving away plot details of the movie here, folks. But uh, Kathy's father has had a change of heart toward Greg because Kathy's father went and sat outside one of the services at Calvary Chapel and was moved by it. So Greg comes to the front door and he knocks. Kathy's father answers. And now Greg has his encounter with Kathy where he's trying to put this relationship back together again. Listen to this. Hey, hi. Hi, Greg. Hi, Eve. Good evening. Sorry to barge in so late. I I did not know how wet I was until just right now. And your hardwood floors, oh, I'm so sorry. And you're not wearing any shoes. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not. You're right about that. But I just, I gotta tell you something. I've been really stupid lately. Obviously, you know that. I'm sure you've heard. But I'm so sorry that I pushed you away. And I hurt you. It was so dumb. It was really dumb. Really dumb. It really was. The dumbest. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you. If you still mean what you said the other day. About what you want. With us. Because I got really big plans, Kathy. Hopes and dreams. I've got goals. And I want to do it with you. Together. You and I. Because I get you. I need you. I want you. And I... Love you. Yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> so what, what, what is this? Is this your way of proposing to me? Oh. Um. Um. What would you say if it was? I would say that if you ever get in the way of me and God, it's over between us. So, is that your way of saying yes? Yes. Ah, uh, that's true in real life. She said yes. Thank God for that. Guess what? <laughs> Kathy and I in real life are going into our 50th year of marriage. Wow. Congratulations. S- well, thank you very much. And uh, so, hey, listen, it's a beautiful love story, among other things. It's a beautiful salvation story. It's a story of conflicts and resolution. It's a story of Jesus at work in the lives of so many people. It's probably your story as well. So many people connect with different characters different aspects of this film. And I want you to have your own copy of it so you can see that scene I just described as well as hear it. I'm offering to you for the first time the Jesus Revolution film on DVD. Now, I know it's out there in streaming platforms, and maybe some of you have already seen it in a theater, or maybe you've watched it at home. But listen, the reason you want this DVD is is so you can now watch it when you want to watch it and show it to who you want to show it to. And it has special bonus content, including a presentation of the gospel I did, complete with a prayer where a person can accept Christ into their life. You can use this movie as an evangelistic outreach. And listen, kids love it. Young people love it, especially the love story of Kathy and Greg. So get your own copy of the Jesus Revolution film. I'll send it to you for your gift of any size. Now, let me add that we had to pay more for this particular film than we normally would pay for a resource that we would offer you. So I'm going to ask you to be extra generous in what you send to us here at Harvest so we can continue to teach the Word of God and preach the gospel. So order your own copy of the Jesus Revolution film on DVD right now. Yeah, that's right. And we can send it your way as soon as we hear from you. And we'll include the DVD along with a free streaming code. And thank you so much for your partnership that allows these daily studies to come your way each day. 
This film is a keeper, and we want to make sure you get one of the first copies on DVD. So call us today at 1-800-821-3300. That's a 24-7 phone number, 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org. Well, next time, Pastor Greg has more encouragement about letting our new nature rule in our hearts. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Harvest Ministries, follow this show and consider supporting it. Just go to harvest.org. And to find out how to know God personally, go to harvest.org and click on Know God.